Welcome to Radwell's Automation Nation. Adjust the volume or put your favorite earbuds in and let's explore the manufacturing and automation industry together. I promise you if you love the industry or just cool technology, you will love our podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to episode two of Radwell's Automation Nation podcast. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Rob. Hi, Rob. Hi, Julie. In today's episode, we're going to discuss 3D printing and some tips to add 3D printing to an operation. 3D printing is an interesting topic for a lot of people, and not just in the industrial or manufacturing world. 3D printing, or additive printing, is the process of making three-dimensional objects from a digital file, building the objects in layers. 3D printing enables the creation of complex shapes using less material than traditional manufacturing methods. Some interesting facts about 3D printing. 3D printing has reached critical mass. Although initially it was just used for prototyping and one-off manufacturing, 3D printing is rapidly transforming into a production technology. Most of the current demand for 3D printing is industrial in nature. 3D printing is being used in almost any industry you can think of. These industries include consumer products such as eyewear and furniture, dental products, prosthetics, tools, industrial parts, and many more. For more interesting facts and applications for printing, be sure to visit 3dprinting.com. That website offers a wealth of information, very suited to all levels of 3D printing experience. I'm sure there are many operations that have wanted to implement 3D printing but haven't added it because maybe they weren't sure what they needed or how to make it all work. Today, we're speaking with a 3D printing specialist who works at Radwell's headquarters in Willingboro, New Jersey. Joe Waldman is going to walk us through some basic steps for implementing 3D printing into your operation. Thank you for joining us, Joe. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. You've been working with 3D printers for a while now. What's the most important thing to know before implementing 3D printing into an operation? The first step is to determine if 3D printing is the correct solution for your need. Although 3D printing is extremely versatile, there are some items that are better suited for other types of manufacturing technologies. Here at Radwell, 3D printing proved to be useful in manufacturing replacement parts for some of the items we sell and repair. We've been able to make PLC doors and covers, servo drive keypad holsters, custom work holding for our CNC shop, just to name a few. Joe, what kind of tools and specialized software are needed? Uh, these are the items I use on a daily basis. Fusion 360 for 3D modeling the part, slicing software for taking my 3D model and creating the code the printer uses to make the part. I use calipers for measuring the parts that I'm modeling and flush cutters to remove support material. What's the cost range for the tools and software? Is there a huge financial commitment? The software can vary in price. There are some great packages that are free, but can also go up into the thousands. The software we use here is part of Autodesk's design and manufacturing suite and has a yearly subscription cost around $2,500 per user. I use three different slicers depending on the printer I'm using. Cura and Chitubox are both free and available to download online. Simplify 3D, which we have a license for, is $150. The calipers that I use are $150 and the flush cutters are only a few bucks. Are there specific space requirements for 3D printers? Printers come in many different sizes. They start small for consumer-grade desktop printers and can get very large. Some industrial printers can take up a whole room. It will depend on what your product is to determine the size of your, the printer you will need. The printers we use here take up a span of about four six-foot tables. We hope to invest in some larger printers in 2021 that will expand our capabilities. These printers will be much larger and will use SLS technology. Are there types of 3D printers that are better suited for specific types of operations? 
Yes, there are a few different types of 3D printing technologies. They all create a 3D object with some form of material, but achieve that in different ways. FDM, or fused deposition modeling, is the most common type for consumer-grade printers. It takes a plastic filament and melts it as it draws layers of your part from bottom to top until it's complete. SLA, or stereolithography, uses a laser to draw the part layer by layer in a resin bath. The resin is cured and becomes your part. DLP, or digital light processing, similar to SLS in that it uses a resin but uses a projector to cure the resin. SLS, which is selective laser sintering, uses a laser but to cure a nylon powder instead of a resin. And metal 3D printing, a laser melts metal particles together. This happens layer by layer until the part is complete. Then you remove unused powder and heat treat the part. Beginners are probably curious, what are the steps to adding a 3D printer? Like where should someone start in order to add a printer to their operation? First step I always do is determine what I will be printing and how it will be used. I ask myself, does it need to be strong? Will it be used outside or exposed to heat or moisture? Will it be a moving part and need to withstand friction from other parts? How big is the part that I need? Will I need to make just one part or do I need to make a large quantity? Once I have that answer, I can gather the information I need to find out what printer I would need to use to create these parts. Third step is I would uh, purchase a printer and learn how to use the printer. And if I need to make custom parts, I would learn how to use the 3D modeling software. The last step is to print your parts. Depending on the technology used in the printer, you may not always get exactly what you wanted from your part. Often you will need to redesign and print again. I always plan for this R&D stage when deciding if 3D printing is right for my project. Joe, what are the benefits that an industrial operation can get from having a 3D printer? I think the most obvious answer is time. Let's say we are implementing a 3D printer in a factory with an assembly line. Something on one of the conveyor brakes, it's a plastic part, not very complicated of a design. The on-site engineering department could model a replacement part and print a new one in an hour and have the line back online the same day. Before 3D printing, that line would stay down until a replacement part could be purchased and shipped. We use our 3D printers here to make custom parts for projects. One of the projects we worked on recently was a dimweight photo booth for our receiving process. I was able to make custom brackets and enclosures for the booth in a matter of hours. I was able to work through several prototypes quickly to come up with a working solution for our need. Before 3D printing, this would have taken months to accomplish with injection molding and CNC being the only ways of getting the parts that I designed. So Joe, I'm curious, do you need to know how to draw to work with 3D printer software? I do not know how to draw very well. I am not artistic at all. And you, if you ask my wife, she'll definitely tell you that. But uh, to draw in your 3D modeling software, you really don't use a pen or a stylus or anything. You're going to use your mouse to create shapes using a 2D sketch. So I would draw, you know, if I was going to create a cube, um, I would draw a square. I would give that square its dimensions. And then I would extrude that cube out a certain amount. So a 10 by 10 by 10 cube, 10 by 10 square, and then I would extrude it 10 millimeters and then I would have my shape. And from there I could add uh, material to that 3D object or I could take it away. And that's basically how most of the modeling is done. And most of the objects that I have to create here at Radwell are non-organic. So it's squares and, and, and angles and everything that I can really measure with a pair of calipers. It's not terribly difficult to recreate. Uh, some of the objects can get pretty complex, but I don't have to be artistic. Uh, I just have to know uh, math, you know, and some, some basic skills to use a 3D modeling software. So I, I started um, 
you know, I'm self-taught with Fusion uh, 360, which is the modeling software I use here. I used to use their uh, inventor package when I first started learning. With YouTube, there's tons of tutorials out there to learn how to use these uh, 3D modeling software. So it's not terribly difficult to get started. I started, you know, at home with 3D printing uh, about 10 years ago. I bought my first 3D printer. Um, back then, it was fairly expensive, I would say, for a consumer. It was about $1,500. Um, but I quickly was able to teach myself how to use the 3D modeling software. Uh, it's a funny story. My wife bought me one of those tiny little remote control helicopters for Christmas, and it spawned an obsession with RC stuff. And quickly, I realized that uh, I liked building the, the uh, RC helicopters more than I liked flying them. And then I realized I wanted to make my own parts for them. So uh, I got my first, uh, bought my first 3D printer. I taught myself how to use the 3D modeling software, and I started to print out parts at home that I could use to make my, uh, my helicopters better. And, um, 3d printing has come a long way since then. Um, it was a huge movement, um, basically called the rep wrap movement where you could have a printer that could almost replicate itself by printing new parts. So the second printer that I bought was a kit and I put it together. And a lot of the parts for the printer were, uh, 3d printed parts. So after I was done building the printer, I went online and I and I joined a group of other people who own the same printer and, and they were taking the printer and they were designing new parts to make that printer better. Because so I was able to download those uh, 3D files, which are called STLs from a website, and I was able to, to slice the file and print those parts on my printer and then add them to my printer. And now my printer was was faster or more accurate. Um, or able to withstand higher temperatures so I could use a, a broader range of materials to print with it. So it was really neat. You know, 3D printing is interesting to get into, but there's so much that you can do with it, even just to make your own tools better. Uh, so that was really fun. And, and that quickly grew. And I, you know, quickly bought into other kits and different types of printers. Uh, I purchased the Delta printer, which is really neat the way it moves. It has three rails uh, like a, in a circular formation and the rails move up and down and, and then there's three arms that attach to the head and the movement is really cool. So if you get a chance, look up a Delta 3D printer and, and watch its movements. It's the quickest printer. It's very accurate, uh, has low mass on the extruder head and it's, it's, it's really cool to watch. So I, I got into those. Um, and then the, the investment, you know, now 10 years later, we have printers like the, the uh, Creality's Ender. It's very inexpensive. It's actually what we started with here at Radwell, um, $200 range. Uh, and you just know what you're going to get. It's, it's um, not a very, it's not a great printer to begin with, but it's, there's so many people that own the printer, just like I talked about before, they're out there creating those parts. Uh, sites like Thingiverse.com, you can go and you search for the printer you have. And you'll see all these parts that you can download um, to change the extruder type, uh, to give a better filament path to guide your filament through. Uh, so it's really cool to, 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 to modify and, and make your printers um, better. Joe, are there any types of operations that you think are not suited for having a 3D printer? When the part needs to be metal, although metal 3D printing is an emerging technology, it has not, been, it has not replaced conventional CNC metal fabrication. Another example is when you are in need of thousands of the same part. Injection molding would then be the right choice due to price per piece and the ability to mass produce in a short amount of time. All right, Joe, what's the most interesting industrial object you've printed on a 3D printer? 
I created a uh, custom mount for our photo booth that houses uh, two cameras, a laser distance sensor, a visible light sensor, and I was able to uh, package all of these things together as closely as possible. It's a really cool looking shape, um, but it also uh, serves its purpose very well and is, is used very well in our photo booth. I just have one last question, Joe. When a 3D printer goes down, what kind of repair costs are involved? Is it a long process to repair some of the issues that come up with a 3D printer or are issues sometimes very simple to fix? In our uh, situation here, uh, the printers that we have are mostly FDM-based. Uh, the problems that I usually see with these printers are based on the extrusion process. So as the printer is uh, pushing the filament through the extruder, there could be a jam. Most of the time, I will have to take apart the extruder and fix the jam. Sometimes I have to replace the uh, hot end or maybe a gear or the motor that goes along with the extruder. This process usually doesn't take long if I have the parts on hand. If I have to order the parts, obviously it could be a couple days. It's not a very expensive process with what we have here. I know some of the larger industrial printers are much more complicated than this and could require much more expensive repairs and take longer, but I uh, don't have those here to, to, to answer that question on. So if you have multiple 3D printers, you can print the part you need for one printer on the other printer. <laughs> In some instances, you can actually replace parts from one printer using another printer. And, and, and when the, the consumer technology emerged, uh, the, the movement was a movement called RepRap, where somebody created a printer with off-the-shelf parts. They then uh, used that printer to print new parts for the printer and made that printer better. Eventually, they had something that worked very well, and they released the uh, source files for that printer and said, here, everybody make one of these, print the parts you need for another printer, and give them to somebody else so they can make their printer. And that's kind of how the consumer-grade market expanded, and, and everyone could acquire the parts to make their printer at a very low cost. And uh, that forced a lot of the companies to make lower-cost printers and, and made it more available to uh, the consumers. So you, know, you see a lot of printers now in, in people's homes able to print all kinds of parts for their for their house. Very cool. Very cool and very interesting. Rob, did you have any other questions for Joe? I don't. That was good, Joe. Yeah, very good. Thanks for joining us, Joe. You really helped us share a lot of great information with our audience. To connect with Joe for any additional questions, you can email him at jwaldman at radwell.com. That's J-W-A-L-D-M-A-N at radwell.com. Thank you for joining us for episode two of Radwell Automation Nation podcast. Until next time. To learn more about Radwell, visit radwell.com or connect with us on social media. To contact us about this podcast, email automationnation at radwell.com. Thanks for joining us.